Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 16, Ergo. No, I just went, it's Ergo this turn. <laughs> That's bad. It originally aired on the 20th of January in the year of our Lord, 2000 AD, and was written by... It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by Peter DeLuise. Uh, as we've talked about, Peter DeLuise always has a cameo, and in this episode, where his father is guest-starring, uh, he plays the handsome young Air Force officer that his father morphs into when trying to convince them not to kill him. Our synopsis from TV Guide. A strange creature invades the minds of the Stargate crew. They're back to being a crew again. <laughs> the synopsis from the Stargate wiki. SG-1 explore P4X-884 after noticing it to be a paradise world. However, after several hours, they return with no memory whatsoever about what has happened. They soon discover a computer simulation named Ergo trying to influence the team. After they find him annoying, they attempt to stop him, but find it very difficult to do so with Ergo doing everything he can to distract them. Wordy as usual. Yes. Also, I'm very glad that they told us it was P4X884 in the synopsis, because that was critical information. It was. I mean, I always really need to know what the gate, you know, not address, but what the planet designator is. Mm. You know what else I need to know? What's that? Some foreign language titles. The French call it a strange companion, and the Italians call it implantation. I like a strange companion. Yeah. Everybody else calls it ergo. Yeah. Boring. Ergo would hate it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he would. So, I seem to recall a long time ago... When we first started talking about Peter DeLuise, I mentioned that he was Dom DeLuise's son, and you were saying you couldn't picture Dom DeLuise. Well, here you go. Thank you. Which one was he? <laughs> anyway. Our episode opens uh, with all of them in the, uh, in the control room, staring at some feedback from the MALP, and it looks... It really looks more like they went down to, like, a travel agency, because yes. the year 2000 and travel agencies still existed... And they were being shown in a perfect vacation spot. Honestly, because it's showing up on the computer screen and it looks a little washed out and whatnot, it kind of looks like those light-up paintings that you or photos that you sometimes oh, yeah. see in Chinese restaurants. Yeah. Actually, I, now that I think about it, I haven't seen one of those in years, but those light-up paintings that you used to see in Chinese restaurants? Yeah, maybe they don't exist anymore. They might not. Like also, sometimes they would have like almost like a semi animation aspect to them. It'd be like a like a light up photo of like a waterfall, and it would look the water was yeah. They would make the water a little ripply. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. They all decide that this is a swell looking planet, but they decide to swap some cliches back and forth about things being too good to be true. Never run with scissors. I, I do like the the final bit at the end. I can't. I, I didn't write down what exactly Jack had said, but Hammond just gives like a little chuckle. And then through the gate they go. Oh, it's all fun and games until someone breaks a nail. Right. And then he's explaining what au revoir means to Teal'c as they go through the gate. Loosely translated, it means ciao. Auf Wiedersehen. Sayonara. Yes. And as he steps through the gate, he's about to say goodbye, which he does say when they step right back through the gate immediately, from their perspective. Yes, but it's been several hours. Over 15, Hammond tells us. So they go to the infirmary to be checked out here. Well, actually, we have the theme. Mm -hmm. 
And then they're in the infirmary being checked out and being told that there's nothing wrong with them. They couldn't find any like puncture marks or wounds or anything like that. I was wondering, though, how thorough was the examination for puncture marks? There's lots of... Yeah. Ha- having seen the like, many movies and TV shows, my understanding is there's any number of places where people can poke you like between the toes or like behind the ear or something that is not going to be immediately visible because you have to like really be looking for it hard. Yes. Uh, and after they've been examined, they go to the briefing room and this is the first of multiple times when we use an NEC computer monitor. I used to have one just like that in a situation where an NEC computer monitor wouldn't quite do that. Like in this instance, where a VCR is connected to one. You think there's no chance that there's a component input on the back? There's no chance there's a component input on the back or component output on the VCR. Could be component output on the VCR. No. Yeah. But she wasn't using the VCR. She pulled a little mini DVD. Did she? Or something. Yeah. Where did she put it? into something below the VCR. Okay. I don't know what that is. It It's like a mini-disc. Except it's out of the case, so no, it's not like a mini-disc. It's like a little mini-DVD or CD. Yeah. It almost looks like she sticks it in the VCR, though. Her hand goes right to the VCR. But, yeah. It goes just below it. Anyway, it magically appears on the te- on the screen. Yes. And she's showing us that, as it turns out, this island paradise... Is a big fat phony. Because for one frame, we see what was really there. Yeah, which you can't... Which, A, you can't see all that well. And B, it's just a static frame, because like that that's how much the camera captured. But from that terrible, staticky single frame, Carter can conclude their technology is clearly in advance of ours. I was wondering about that, yeah. It looks like a chem lab. It does. Well, maybe the fact that they could disguise the video that the mouth was getting, but you could just do that by putting something in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while Carter's explaining all of this, mostly to Hammond, the rest of the crew, apparently, <laughs> is distracted by how great the coffee is. Yes, and we get the great scene of Teal just chugging from the coffee decanter. Isn't that hot? Extremely. Ugh, so good. This is not the best uh, food... food food-related moment in this episode. We have a milestone this episode that I'll get to later. Excellent. I'm super confused. Anyway, <laughs> so Hammond is as confused as I am because Teal has just drunk half a gallon of super, you know boiling hot coffee. Yes, Hammond is very confused at the coffee and he tells them to stay on base for the, for the meantime. Yes. So then we cut to Jack in the cafeteria. This is the milestone. This is the very first time that we see the SGC cafeteria. Oh, okay. I thought it was something like three different episodes across the prior seasons. Jack had said how little he likes pie or something. (laughs) Because in this case, he's really loving that pie. Yeah, he even like picks it up in his hand. Who does that? Someone who really likes pie. He's just going to town on it. You know, we we cut to uh, Sam, who's in the middle of, I don't know, doing some sort of, you know, Sam engineer nerd thing and she's like no I'm done here I need to be somewhere else right now she wanders off and her airman uh, follows her 
We then cut to Daniel in his lab, where there's an airman standing outside. So apparently, in addition to staying on base, Hammond has also said that each of them needs a chaperone, or a, a monitor at least. We then get back to the mess hall, where the whole team is coming in with their monitors. Yeah, and Jack has an entire table full of food. And, in addition to this being the first shot of the cafeteria, we also have what will become... The infamous blue jello. Why is it infamous? Is it just infamous is the wrong word? But <laughs> I wasn't sure if there was like some sort of like backstory that I was missing, like no. from like the production side of things, where it's like, well, we couldn't actually like ubiquitous is the better word. There you go. It's like, well, we couldn't actually get blue jello, so what we had to do was <laughs> just make make it out of glue. What I find interesting here is we also have fluorescent yellow jello and I don't recall ever seeing fluorescent j- yellow jello in like the real world. Lemon. Lemon is does not have that little bit of green to it that the fluorescent yellow has. And lime doesn't have that little bit of yellow. <laughs> Maybe it's lemon lime. Uh, I suppose that could exist. Maybe it's Mountain Dew jello. I think that would be disgusting. Yes. But yeah, maybe the Canadians have lemon yellow lemon lime jello and we don't. Yeah. That seems likely. I mean they have craft dinner and we don't. That's true. So Jack likes pie, Daniel likes pie, Teok likes pie, and Sam's eating jello. Which he also thinks is just like the best stuff ever, but it would be better if all of them were eating pie. Well, Jack is eating either melted ice cream or soup, actually. In this. Yogurt. Oh that's right, yogurt, because he doesn't even like yogurt. Yeah, well, but he opens with the pie, is what I'm saying. It's weird to me to see someone eating yogurt out of a dish, just because, like, for all of my life, yogurt is a thing you eat out of those little plastic containers you buy in the grocery store. Yeah, like, pudding, you frequently see in a dish. Yeah. Because that's a common dessert thing. Yogurt's usually not a dessert thing, even though, certainly in America, I have to assume Canada to some degree... It's totally a dessert, since it's chock full of sugar. Yes. But, yeah, yogurt is typically, if anything, yogurt is considered a breakfast food. I'm not entirely sure why. Or like a lunch side or snack. Yeah, now, uh, this yogurt, though, is just in a dish. And I'm thinking, like, even, like, if you go to a buffet or something, yes, you get the pudding in the big dish. But mm-hmm. if if a buffet has yogurt, which is typically only if it's a breakfast buffet, uh, it's usually... It's in the single-serve yeah. plastic containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, maybe it's just a Canadian thing. I'm not a Canadian, but if you're a Canadian and this is how you eat yogurt, please let us know. Or if it's not how you eat yogurt and you think this is weird, also let us know. Yeah, because you can get, like, big tubs of yogurt, but usually not the flavored kind. No, like... You usually get, like, a bigger tub of, like, the plain yogurt. Or vanilla, yeah. And that's usually used in recipes. We're spending a lot of time talking about the yogurt, I feel. So? I'm just... It's weird. (laughs) I thought this was supposed to be a podcast about Stargate, but it might turn into a podcast about yogurt. I think it's a podcast about whatever we talk about. And it has always been and shall always be. So, yogurt. Okay. Yes. Uh, they all get called to sick bay. Jack takes a piece of pie. Yes. And all of their monitors follow them. And I, it's the infirmary. It's not sick bay. I'm getting my shows crossed. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Where old Doc Fraser is telling us, if you see this, there's a speck inside all of your brains. And it's in all of them. And it's in the same place. 
So I dug deeper into your brains. Yeah, apparently. How did they get these images? That's like super detailed. When, when they all, like they all collectively don't like they all collectively lost fifteen hours. Mm. It makes sense they would do like detailed scans. Fair enough. I, I think it's interesting that we never see, we don't see them do an MRI or anything. Maybe it's maybe it was left on the cutting room floor for time or budget reasons. Either getting their hands on or mocking up an MRI would have been cost prohibitive. Possibly. So we see there's a little ball thing in all of their brains. And the ball thing is clearly, well, not supposed to be there. Artificial, looks like it has like little circuitry yes. bits on it and little wires digging into their brain. Nothing good. Hammond is very concerned and orders them all to level 22 for quarantine. Yep, and that's when they're hanging out, being bored, and what do you know, so is Ergo. I want to know what game Jack was playing on his Game Boy. Ah, that's a good question. Because Sam's on her laptop doing Sam stuff, Daniel and Teal are playing chess, and Jack's sitting there playing a game on the Game Boy. I just want to know what game he's playing. Jack strikes me as a Tetris guy. That's not the sound of Tetris, though. Did it make noise? It was making lots of noise, lots of beeps. Yeah, because Tetris would have been do 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 do. Yeah, that's right. And yes, Ergo's there. He first starts talking to them. They're very confused, and then he makes himself appear. Hello, Ergo. Jack asks the airman if he sees him. The airman does not. So that airman is played by Nicholas Barrick. Okay. Uh, Dom DeLuise was obviously not in the dead zone. What's so obvious about that? Because <laughs> if he had been, I would have brought it up a while ago. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas Barrick was also not in the dead zone, but Nicholas Barrick is a frequent uh, stunt person, hmm. and he did some on seven days. Okay, close enough. Yeah, yeah, it's a close second. Dom DeLuise was also not in seven days, I'm guessing. No, he didn't do any stunts anywhere, especially not in seven days. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if Dom DeLuise did do stunts. Uh, but yes, I assumed it's, I, I meant like as a, you know, regular person. I know, but it was funny to reply to you that way. Sure. So, yes, we have met Ergo. There he is. They can all see him. I'm interested in the idea of, like, the impressive networking and programming required for Ergo to know where all of them are looking so that he can materialize in their vision in the same place relative. Yeah, that is some pretty good tech right there. Well, as Carter points out, they're obviously much more advanced than we are, which is also evident by the mere fact that they can implant this thing in everyone's brain to make them see, hear, and experience Ergo. Yes. Eh. So we are back in sickbay now, and they're talking with old Doc Frazier, and she's like, so all of you can see it. Yes. And hear it. Yes. And they come to the kind of realization that Ergo is there as like a... Micro, like basically like a microscopic mouth that gets put into someone's brain so that it can be used for information information gathering purposes yes we also find out from ergo that his creator is bad yeah they don't want to try to get it removed because they'll because the creator will kill him will kill them instead yes he'll scoop out their brains i mean it's possible but at the same time they put uh, the creator clearly put ergo in without scooping the brains out so then he gets distracted by the defibrillator. He tries to get Tilk to use it. 
Yeah, I like, I like the back and forth. It's like, oh, what does it do? Is it fun? Does it hurt? Oh, it hurts? Let's try it. Is it defibrillating now? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then we have them in the briefing room, and Ergo is being annoying. As always. And Jack says he's willing to risk dying if it means getting rid of Ergo. It makes me think of the uh, Eddie Izzard bit where it's Church of England, cake or death. <laughs> you know, Church of Ergo, Ergo or death. I thought of Eddie Izzard earlier when Jack said chow. Yes, that too. <laughs> it's an Eddie Izzard heavy episode, basically. Yes. Eddie Izzard is an implant in our brains. Okay, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carter thinks that she can devise a way to turn off Ergo, which he's totally not on board for. He is, no, they don't want to do that at all. He's got all these things that he can do instead to... So, at this point, we have the scene where Carter is walking down the hallway, apparently talking to herself. And Frazier and Hammond are talking to her, and, and Hammond gives her the the go-ahead to do the EMP to try to get rid of Ergo. Yeah. And at this point, Hammond accidentally, or I guess I should say Donis Davis, accidentally calls Frazier Terrell. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. So, hmm. that was, you know, just a... It happens. Uh, apparently, Mark Hamill calls Carrie Fisher Carrie at one point in A New Hope. I believe it. Yeah. Towards the end, when he's getting out of his X-Wing, I think. After they blew up the Death Star and everyone's happy and excited. When you're excited, you know, you say things. So I'm wondering, can Ergo interact with all four of them separately? Is he bugging each of them independently right now? Yeah, it, the way Carter says it, which is like, go eat pie with the, with Colonel O'Neill, makes it sound like he can't. Or maybe she just thinks that he can't. Mmm. That's also possible. Because up until this point, they've all been hanging out together. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If he's in all of their heads, I don't know. Is he? Does he require all three for the processing power? Four. Yes, all four. I, I, I honestly mostly forget that Teal'c is around because we see very little of Teal'c, and there's a reason for that, actually. Was he sick during filming? Was no. Was he on vacation? Christopher Judge found Dom DeLuise hilarious and couldn't keep a straight face. I can't blame him. He, th- This was pretty funny. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's also a lot of outtakes and ad-lib lines and everything. <laughs> oh, there ha- uh, Speaking of ad-lib, almost every single line that Ergo has was not in the script. Really? Yes. I can buy that. <laughs> it's just sort of like, yeah, hey, Dad, go nuts. <laughs> yes, because... If you could think of a more Dom DeLuise-esque character than Ergo, I would be very interested to know who you would who it would be, because this is just, like, straight-up Dom DeLuise right here. Uh, yeah, he was the director in Blazing Saddles. Yes, he was. Yeah. I think we have, you had that same revelation last time we talked about Dom DeLuise. <laughs> By tomorrow, we'll have forgotten who Dom DeLuise is. <laughs> so, all of them are now in Carter's lab, because she's pretty sure... That she has a way to turn him off using an e-impulse. But he doesn't want them to do that. Uh, no. Which Carter says, since he keeps protesting, you know, me, you know, me thinks Ergo doth, doth protest too much, which leads her to believe that she's on the right track. Although, we later find out that Ergo was actually being very clever. No, no, no. He, he We'll get to that. Anyway, uh, yes, this is also the moment when he... He's like, okay, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Like, big me is annoying. What if I'm tiny? No, that doesn't work either. What if I'm handsome? Yeah, and that's when he becomes Peter DeLuise. Yes. Yeah, and then he does a I'm melting, I'm melting from The Wizard of Oz. Which is amusing. 
and and then they point out that they haven't it hasn't actually run yet. Okay, so here is the second technically not a b- bad use of the NEC monitor per se, but the fact that Carter just turns off the monitor and not whatever is outputting video to the monitor which would presumably also be affected by an EMP. Yeah, cuz you didn't have one of those those power strips. You remember those? They used to sit Back when the desktop sat on your desk and then the monitor sat atop the desktop and this would actually like sit betwixt the two. Yeah, I remember those. It had like six hard switches, one for each power. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, we never had one, but I I do remember seeing them. Yeah, you'd usually see them in offices and whatnot. Our first computer was one of those that the monitor sat on top of, but. And way back in the day, they had the, the, the monitor. Like you did, you, you could actually like plug it. You could plug its power into the computer directly. That it had a mm-hmm. anyone who has seen a full size desktop or old school monitor knows that the power cable is that like that funky like r- like sort of rectangular looking plug mm-hmm. or w- with the three with the three pins in it. And there was like a special. It basically would be like an extension cable for that. That yeah, old 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 school power supplies had a power out basically yes like a pow- like but a, you needed like a-, a special cable it was it didn't just take a regular cable no it had like it was, it was like a yeah it, it, it was it was it was a yeah it, it was a female version mm-hmm. of the of the of the other power port and so you had to use like a special sort of like extension cable for the like for the d plug and yeah yeah i remember those i never actually had a monitor that plugged into one of those but i i i do remember the power supplies used to have that yeah, I never had a computer that had a power supply like that. You could have plugged any monitor into it. My first two had... Well, yeah, but I never yeah. had the adapters. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a monitor, it was a cable thing. Yeah, my my family's first computer was an IBM, uh, and it had it had that port on the, on the power supply. And then the second computer, well, <laughs> was an NEC, as I've mentioned. <laughs> and it... It also had that port. It was an AT power supply. Because uh, back in the day when Windows 95 gave you the black screen with the orange text that said it is now safe to turn off your computer when you shut it down. This has been a very special episode of Yogurt and Anti-Computers Weekly. <laughs> yes. Anyway. So, the EM goes and er going, er going, er gone. Mmm. We're now in, I guess it's Doc Fraser's office. Yes, I think so. Which we've never been before. This is an episode of first. No, we're we're just in. It's just the the infirmary or the lab because there's beds and stuff. I didn't see the beds. I just saw like the like the monitor banks. Oh, oh, sorry. There were beds, and then we were in Doctor Fraser's office with the monitor banks. You're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, first one with an AI. First time seeing the mess hall. First time seeing old Doctor Fraser's lab. She's talking to Sam, and she mentions to Sam that if she gets a clean bill, they, she's going to rent a boat with Cassandra and ask Sam if she wants to join her. And Sam leaves singing, row, row, row your boat. Which is a weird thing for literally anyone to do. Yes. I also, in this made me rem- realize that Cassandra has been has almost certainly been featured and or name dropped more than Charay. Yes. Over the course of the show. And that just feels weird. I think... Shaw Ray may appear? No, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Cassandra also, I feel, doesn't get name-dropped as much as she should. <laughs> but yes, you have a good point. Well, we don't get a ton of 
just Sam and Janet being Sam and Janet. Mm. Although, almost every time they do, it passes the Bechdel test. That's true. Because it's just them being friends. So, as Sam is singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat, Jack, Daniel, and Teal'c start doing it as well. And here we come to third instance of the NEC monitors. Because uh, <laughs> these, these monitors do not... Because they're using them as, as security monitors? Well, yeah, which, okay, you could use a, it. it uh, That's possible, in theory. It could There could be some sort of VGA out to that. The fact that they apparently have sound that turning the knob under the screen adjusts the volume. No, those knobs are for contrast, brightness, degaussing, etc. You really hung up on these NEC monitors. A little bit, yes. Did did one fall on you <laughs> as a child? Do you have it out for NEC monitors? I used one for years. I, I just happen to know what they're like, and they're just standard computer monitors. <laughs> And those knobs underneath are for adjusting settings on the monitors. There are no speakers to these monitors, and there's no knob to adjust the volume on them because there's no speaker. So now we're back in the briefing room. <laughs> yes. And the team's all there, and Hammond, and Doc Frazier, and an NEC monitor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's two NEC monitors, actually, because there's one in the background. And she, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> and... <laughs> Doc Frazier is telling is telling the team you were all singing, and Jack's like, "No, a I don't sing. B if I did sing, which I don't, I don't even know the words to row, row, row your boat." And as he's How, saying this, he gets cut off the, by the video. Yes, who doesn't know the yeah. words to row, row, row your boat? I mean, those are the words to row, row, row your boat. Did you notice that they were singing in something called a round? Mm. A little Star Trek reference for you. Yeah, yeah. They really need those single-purpose marshmallow replicators in their lives, though. Marshmallow is apparently actually what Leonard Nimoy said. He was an odd duck, man. <laughs> I suppose you could also use it to make, like, meatballs or hot dogs or something. Really, anything that can be, const- like, extruded like that. Yeah, but the meatball would be shaped like a marshmallow, then. And that's Whatever. just weird. Anyway, after Jack has been shown the evidence that he was singing, Ergo reappears. If you call that singing. Yes. That that made me think of something, though. What if they had figured out a way to nuke Ergo out of the implants, but keep the network abilities? Because mm, that could have been useful. It would have caused weird, awkward moments in their personal lives, if they have personal lives. A little bit. Where, at any given time, all of them would want to actually go fishing with Jack. Jack would be okay with this. Jack would be okay with this. None of them would really understand why they had showed up that day, but Jack would be happy about it. They'd all start putting candles everywhere in their bedrooms, too. So many candles. Can you imagine Ergo, like, annoying Teal'c while he's trying oh, to... Oh, that would have been such a great scene, and they probably... They, they may they, have even they, thought They may have, like, thought about it, but if... Te- but if yeah. If, if Christopher Judge couldn't keep a straight face most of the time, then... Yeah, that's probably... Yeah. So at this point, Sam makes the comment that to Jack when saying that how Ergo doesn't know how things work because he's just the program. Your software doesn't know how your computer works. I mean, in a lot of ways it does. Or at least your software expects your computer to work in a certain way. I can accept that statement better. I mean, at the beginning, like, hmm... 
we're definitely gonna get some side comments from the person who never actually leaves any public comments because they're not you know like they follow the show but they're not a follower in the social media sense they're gonna tell us how we're wrong about whether or not software knows about how the computer works he yes he will tell us that we're wrong (laughs) so anyway we are back in the control room Mm-hmm. Sam is showing Ergo the island paradise that they had been And he wants shown. to go there. Yes. She was explaining that we got this back from our MALP, which is our less sophisticated version of you, or our, our less advanced version of you. He's like, yes, but not as suave or, or sophisticated, Nespa. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. I mean, between that and Jack's stuff at the beginning, we're getting like way more non-English words in this episode and not like you know non-english non-alien words in this episode right. than we usually do that's a good point i mean it's obviously a very low bar since it's only been i don't know five <laughs> but well he also says um bubble <laughs> don't remind you uncle Irwin. <laughs> which what is when yeah, i hear bubble i just think of die hard oh no that's booby yeah and booby is short for bubble i think oh okay I- I'm pretty sure. Ah, the booby. The, the, the but the one line of, you know, with the big, you know, you were just thinking about Maui with the big beaches and the little bikinis and Sam just kind of turns around and looks at Jack. Yes. I, I liked the, when he asks who Mary, uh, I've forgotten her last name, Steam Bridget? That's wrong. No, uh, hold on. Uh, Steamburger? Yes. And I actually don't know who Mary Steenberger is, but it's presumably someone that Jack finds attractive. She was a famous actress. I don't have any more information to give you. I looked her up, but I didn't like make note of any of the major movies. Speaking of in. references, when Jack says that Ergo looks like a famous tenor, he is presumably talking about Pavarotti. Presumably, yes. Man, remember the four tenors? Like, vaguely. Or the three tenors? I don't. How, how many tenors were there? The indeterminate number of tenors? Three, four, whatever. So, we're now in what I think is SG-1's private locker room. Yeah, and they're all getting dressed at the same time as opposed to in later when it becomes the girls' locker room at whatever time or earlier. They have nameplates. Yeah, that's true, and there aren't other lockers. I think it's their private locker room. Does every SG team have their own private locker room? Well, they must now, but in season two they didn't. Oh, no, yeah, no, early days, yeah. And I feel like we see later episodes when they don't. Maybe it's not a locker room, then. Maybe it's just each team has their own gear-up room. Possibly. We didn't see, like, a wide variety of uniforms, but it wouldn't have been a miss if there had been a couple of desert uniforms, jungle, urban. Actually, I don't know if they did separate urban camo back in 2000. They definitely had jungle and uh, desert. I'm not sure about Urban. I don't remember seeing Urban camo on SG-1. Uh, no, yeah, no, you're right, because at a certain point they just switched to black. Yeah. Or uh, or gray in the case of Atlantis. But that was largely for the civilians. Yeah, the the military still wore black in Atlantis. Yeah, and then, of course, Universe, where everything's black all the time, forever. Greer wears camo. Well, he's a Marine. Yeah, that's true. Someone probably tried to get him to not wear camo, and he just glared at them. <laughs> While, while they're all in the gear-up room, sure, they're debating whether or not Ergo actually constitutes uh, digital sapiens. And I would say he does. 
or is sentience more accurate? Sentience is more accurate. Okay. If he, yeah, if he constitutes a digital sentience. Or we could just say if he constitutes a life form. And Sam and Daniel are both arguing for the idea. Jack is against it, mostly because he's a curmudgeon and just Jack doesn't like new things. Teal'c is Teal'c about it. <laughs> Ergo mocks Teal'c for being Teal'c. Yes. Parasitic like the gold. <laughs> yes. And then, like... At a certain point, Daniel says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with Sam. Yeah, what was that about? What part of agreeing with Sam does Daniel not believe? Yeah, I I feel like, I think he means Sam's idea in this instance, because... But he had been defending it, the idea with her. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird line. Because it doesn't make sense, because he agrees with Sam all the time. Yeah. Sam's a smart person. It makes sense to agree with her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's more likely for, it, it's more common for him to disagree with Jack and for him to be like, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Jack, but yeah. Yes, that would make much more sense. Yeah, but I, I feel like he's way more, like he agrees with Sam most of the time, agrees with Teal'c 51% of the time, and agrees with Jack, I don't know, like every other Tuesday or something. Like 20%. Yeah, like I said, every other Tuesday. So they they do go back to the planet. P four X eight eight something. P four P four X eight eight four, and are promptly beamed into the lab where they meet Togar. Yes, who we've already met telephonically, as it were. And Togar looks like a more neatly uh, styled Ergo. He is as handsome as he is evil. <laughs> yes talking to togar and they're like hey get this thing out of our heads but like don't kill us and, to- and don't kill it he demonstrates with a like a weird cg creature that was strange it was like i, I feel like of the whole episode that's the part that probably works the didn't least need to be there at all yeah uh togar saying like listen i can get this thing right out of your head no problem like yeah but ergo needs to live he's like no i can't do that ergo's freaking out and tells Teal to give him a double Jaffa Jaffa kick. <laughs> Teal does not. No. They convince Togar to put Ergo inside his head. Somehow. Somehow as in somehow get it into his head or somehow convince him? As in somehow convince him, because I feel like that's a hard sell. Uh, yeah, but it seemed to go pretty easy. It did. But anyway, they do. Yeah. T- does he have four of the little bb's in his head now yeah who knows uh, it's very confusing doesn't that now and would that mean he would see four ergos no he would only see one ergo Duh, four ergos that'd be the worst <laughs> yes Ugh. but they want a little bit of proof that ergo is actually still alive and at some point he tells ergo to be quiet and like oh ergo's still alive yeah no everything's fine <laughs> which yes makes sense yes it's like okay well you know goodbye now I'm sending you away. Well, first, Sam's the, like, no, wait. Let's trade some technology. He's like, nope, you're gone. Yep. And we come back to the beginning of the episode because they're sent back with no memories of what just happened. And have been gone for over 10 hours this time. Yeah. So Ham was like, go to the infirmary. Yeah. And scene. And episode, even. Yes. So what did you remember about this one? Uh, not a ton, other than the, uh, like, annoying guy played by, I don't know, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I remembered mm, the general idea. I think I usually skip this one, because while it is amusing, Ergo is also it annoying. Is. 
<laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I can definitely see how like, if you rewatch frequently that this 40-something minute episode could feel like it would take like 100 days of your time. That, conveniently, is next week's episode. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, please also check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find and review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. I'm at Gamicus. I'm at Tyrannicus. And you can follow the show at Stargate Weekly on Twitter. And that's our show. 